Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. Today is Wednesday. It's the 24th of June, 2020. Thanks so much for listening to the show. You can find all the previous episodes and become a member at abriefchat.com. Let's take a look back at this day in radical history via the Slingshot Collective Day Planner. You can get your own at slingshotcollective.org. On this day in 1647, Margaret Brent becomes the first American woman to demand the right to vote. Well, that's a story about which I know nothing and which maybe we should dig into for a future show. That's kind of fascinating. About, uh, oh, I don't know, a couple of months ago or so, the folks at PM Press, uh, whose authors I've interviewed before, sent me a copy of a book called Liberating Sapmi, Indigenous Resistance in Europe's Far North. And this book was a real revelation to me about an entire people of whom I'd never heard, who are still very much in existence and alive here on the same planet as me. And I was completely fascinated by it and was very lucky to speak to two people involved in the book, its author, Gabriel Kuhn, who's also written other books uh, for PM Press and is, uh, I think, does a really masterful job with this one. And then a member of the Sami people, Nila Sombi, who I just was completely honored to talk to. I mean, I this guy is a legitimate freedom fighter in all of the ways I most admire. You're going to hear this conversation over two episodes today and tomorrow. Here is part one of my conversation with Gabriel Kuhn and Nilas Sombi. Nilas, can you start by telling us who the Sami people are and where in the world you're located? Well, we are in um, Scandinavia and Russia. We, our territory, the traditional territory, is divided in four different uh, national states. It's Norway, Finland, Sweden, and Russia who have made the borders themselves and colonized us in about the same same way. The Sami people are uh, indigenous people in the, in the north. In a way, our people were very primitive people, not in, uh, not in the way of, uh, of thinking about primitive in, in the normal sense. Primitive people uh, means that we were the people who respect it and, uh, and live to hold nature, the natural resources. And the main resource for our people were the reindeer, which we uh, are herding. And today there is, uh, of course, not just the reindeer herding. Our people are colonized. The worst thing about the colonizing is that we lost our traditional spirituality, which were very important to keep the way of living what we believed in and what we lived off. The spirituality was the way to protect the nature with very, very high respect for the land and for the animals and also for each other. But when the colonizers came, they came with the Bible in one hand and a bottle 
alcohol in the other hand. And then they uh, have uh, destroyed our culture. And now they are also destroying our land by putting up huge windmills for electricity. They have already made lots of uh, hydropower dams, roads, power lines, mines, and they're also planning to start uh, polluting our fjords with mining waste, poisonous uh, mining waste. As an American, and recording a show that will mostly be heard by Americans, I think many people will hear you speak and will see a lot of similarities between the story of the Sami people and the story of the indigenous peoples here on the North American continent. Do you think that's a, is that a fair comparison? It's absolutely fair comparisons. You can compare the indigenous people from the whole globe and the histories still the same. It's in Russia and uh, North America and uh, everywhere. Gabriel, I want to turn to you for a moment and ask you how you became aware of the Sami people. I mean, I, I consider myself reasonably well-informed, and I read a lot about indigenous struggles. I read a lot of, you know, left and anarchist literature. And when your book came in the mail, it was a complete eye-opener to me. I mean, it was as if there was an entire part of the world's history that had been erased and I had never heard about before, and I was amazed as I read it. So I wanted to ask, I guess, how you became aware and decided to write this book. I, I knew about the, the Sami people growing up, although I didn't grow up in, in the north of Europe. I grew up in the center of Europe, in in Austria. But I think that being in Europe, there is probably more general awareness or knowledge about the existence of the Sami people. And I say about the existence of the Sami people because this is about as far as that knowledge goes. So people know that the Sami people live, are the indigenous peoples, people of the far north of Europe, but they don't know so much more. Um, so in, in my particular case, so I, I, I knew that um, then growing up, so I grew up in Austria, I left uh, the country in the mid-1990s, and by then already had a general interest in indigenous uh, peoples, and so I, I went to um, the United States, uh, actually to Arizona, where I think you're located now, yes. to, to um, get some more insight into the situation uh, among the, the Navajo and Hopi nations, and then I did some traveling there um, around the country. I went to the Pine Ridge and other uh, places of interest. I spent some time in Australia and New Zealand. And, and then I returned to Europe in the early 2000s and ended up in Sweden in 2007, and I've been living here since. And so once I moved to Sweden with that general interest in indigenous peoples as a background, I used that opportunity very early on to travel up north, travel to Sápmi and learn more about um, Sámi culture. Now, at that point, I never thought um, of doing um, a, a book. I felt that, I, I mean, I'm approaching this as an outsider. I felt it wasn't really my place to write about indigenous people. 
But then over the years, there were different factors that played into it. I looked at the English language market of books about the Sami people, and there are some great books, but a lot of them are uh, academic studies. They're hard to get. They're expensive. So I felt there was kind of, I guess, what you're describing, a book that you could uh, give to people that's affordable, fairly easy to read, and, and provides a general introduction. And I felt that because I had an established working relationship with PM Press, the publisher that was interested in bringing out such a book, I could make a contribution uh, to spreading more knowledge about the Sami people. Then there was still the question of how to do the book as, again, an, an outsider. After talking to people from the Sami community I knew and, and whose opinions were important to me, I settled on the format that I was using, which is that the book is, is mainly based on interviews with Sami artists, uh, activists, and scholars. That's about two-thirds of the book. Um, Nilas is one of the people I interviewed. Um, and then I contributed an, an introduction, which I call a short political history of Sakmi, just as a, as a background historical information for uh, readers. Nilas, you have been very involved in the fight for justice and recognition for uh, the Sami people. And I wanted to ask about how you got involved in that fight. Yeah, as 11, 10, 11 years old boy, I ended up in a hospital, which was a a combination of old folks' house and a hospital. In the 60s, um, Norway was still a very, very poor country with a healthcare run of missionaries. And there I ended up in the same room as my grandfather, and I'm very happy for that. He taught me lots about spirituality and um, that part of the Sami culture. And after that, I got involved in the hydropower dam protesting uh, camp. In, uh, it was uh, a hydroelectric uh, dam called Alta, which became a very big uh, case in late 70s and, and 80s. And uh, that was the first time the Norwegians also became aware of that the Sami people are uh, colonized by by the Norwegians and and robbed of all the rights to the land and water and and we uh, then uh, made a hunger strike in uh, Oslo that was in 1979. And in that way, we uh, became in, in touch with the Norwegians and lots of Norwegian young people joined us with this uh, protest. And indeed, we made uh, the streets of Oslo, which is the capital of Norway, to boil that time. There was lots and lots of very good young Norwegian people who were in a way very ashamed of their uh, history of colonizing and and robbing us for the for all the land the rights to land and water and that was what the case uh, and the fight became about 
and after we of course uh, lost the battle hydroelectrical dam was uh, built but then the political case about the Sami was little bit changed. Norway admitted then that, that uh, there needs to be the Sami rights needs to be solved and they established then a Sami rights commission which was working for 18 years. And then they came up with a proposal that uh, the Sami, Sami people in Norway need some kind of a parliament. So the result was that the Sami parliament was established. But the Sami parliament is, uh, is just a branch of the Norwegian, uh, Norwegian politic. The Sami parliament, which is called Samedikki, in uh, Sami language is uh, also funded by the by the government of Norway. You say in the book, Nilas, that sure there's a parliament, but essentially the the government uses the parliament as a you know kind of consulting body before just doing what the government was going to do anyway. Do you still feel that way about it? Yeah, it's, I used to say it that way that in in the late seventies the situation was very bad, but no, nowadays it's hundred times the worst because uh, now they are really moving in into the land of Sapmi and uh, with the hydro the windmills, which are it's not uh, just the windmills themselves, but it's. Uh, the roads to the windmills and the power lines and everything connected to that. So that's a very huge, very, very huge uh, pollution and destruction of the Sami land. And it makes it very difficult for the reindeer herding to continue. And reindeer herding is the business of Sami, which is the most important for the Sami culture. It's where the Sami language is mostly alive and all this um, traditional knowledge connected to the reindeer herding is uh, very, very important for the culture to survive. And that's part one of my interview with Gabriel Kuhn and Nilas Sombi. You will hear the second part on tomorrow's show. Meanwhile, you can go to abriefchat.com and find all the previous episodes of this show. It's also there that you can become a member. And becoming a member is not only a great way to support an independent media program that you enjoy since you're here, but also a wonderful way to, you know, put food on our table and that kind of thing, because we... Uh, we primarily, or at least my part of our existence, is primarily funded by podcasting. So if you can see your way to becoming a member, that would be lovely. You'll also get a bonus episode every Saturday and the occasional other cool little thing from time to time. You can do that all at abriefchat.com. Meanwhile, come back tomorrow for the second part of this conversation. I love you. A better world is possible, but we have a lot of work to do. Please.